listening to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Hello and welcome back to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and this is episode 53. And this is going to be the first part in a three-part series covering something that's quite near and dear to my heart, Amicus Productions. They are sort of the other guys that were making horror movies uh, in the British market uh, next to Hammer. Of course, there was also... um, what, Tygon or whatever their name was, uh, and a couple others, but Amicus was sort of the chief rivals, if you want to put it that way, of Hammer. I don't know how much of a serious rivalry there was actually going on there, but they were fighting for the sort of same market share, I guess. So Amicus was a, as I said, British film company based in Shepperton Studios in England. They were active between 1962 and 77 is when they finished up. And it was founded by uh, two American producers and screenwriters, Milton Sabotsky and Max Rosenberg. I guess this collaboration came from the fact that they successfully collaborated on the Christopher Lee horror film that has a few things in common with Psycho, uh, which is City of the Dead. That was a big success for them, and so they figured, you know what? We should do more of this stuff. And so they started making movies. Now, they didn't start with horror movies, though. And as we go through this, we're just going to basically go chronologically through the films in their lineup. So we're not going to include City of the Dead because that's not an official Amicus film. Uh, We're not going to do stuff like The Monster Club, although I kind of want to, but that's also not an official Amicus film because that was made after the split between the two producers. But we're going to go through the stuff that's the official Amicus filmography. Uh, There's quite a bit of variation in it. If you look into the Hammer stuff as well, there's a variation there. Their early stuff, they were all over the place. Not quite as bad with Amicus, but they did do some different things. We're going to listen to a couple of those different things before they got into horror. So first we're going to have Spaceship to Mars from It's Trad Dad from 1962. This is uh, a Gene Vincent song. Gene Vincent, if you're not familiar, early pioneer of rock and roll and rockabilly. Um, He's actually kind of the guy who really made rockabilly a thing. If you know his song, Bebopalua, that was him. He was the first inductee into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame in 1997. But this film, it's Trad Dad, uh, also known as Ring-A-Ding Rhythm, apparently. That's uh, quite the title. And it was directed by uh, Richard Lester, who did two of the uh, Beatles films, A Hard Day's Night and uh, Help, from 64 and 65, respectively. And uh, I guess it kind of makes sense, because this is kind of in the same vein as one of those Beatles pictures, where it's got a bunch of music stars of the time. And it's kind of like, you know, these crazy jazz kids who like their bebop music and their rock and roll and stuff they want to have fun and the parents don't want to let them have fun and so they're gonna put on a show and all that shit that's basically what this is um 
I haven't watched it too deeply, but I believe it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Actually, most of Amicus's, you know, stuff that hasn't been released on DVD uh, widely is on YouTube. So um, you can check this out. Moving on, we're going to have Sweet Boy from Just for Fun from 1963. This is by Clodagh Rogers. She was a Northern Irish singer and actress. And this one, we have the synopsis here. This is another one that's sort of in the vein of its trad dad. Uh, When English teenagers win the right to vote, the established political parties compete for their support. However, when the Prime Minister cuts the amount of pop music allowed on TV, young Mark and Cherry start their own teenage party and use some of England's pop singers to help. And yeah, there's a big lineup of acts in this one, too. Uh, This is directed by Gordon Fleming, who would later do the uh, two Doctor Who films for Amicus. So we're going to get back to his stuff here later on. And then we're going to end off this block of songs with a suite. And this is going to pop up a lot, too. There's a lot of suites from uh, music here because there's not a lot of official releases of the actual music. So I'm kind of compiling mostly from YouTube. And most of this is like the hard work of Fishman. Goes in, cleans up the music rips a bunch of it from the movies, tries to get around the dialogue when he can, and he makes these nice little suites of this stuff. And it's really kind of the only way to get a lot of this stuff. But we have a suite here from Dr. Terror's House of Horrors from 1965. This is done by Elizabeth Lutyens, and it's directed by Freddie Francis. So that's a big name right there, big horror director at this at this time. Uh, this is the first anthology film that Amicus did, by the way. Uh, and their first horror film. So there you go. And of course, Amicus was mostly known for their anthology films. And Elizabeth Lutyens was a very accomplished English composer. And she was actually the first female British composer to score a feature film. So uh, she was pretty fucking badass. And she makes a lot of like really atonal and... What's the other word I'm looking for? It'll come to me. But her her stuff is very not traditional yet somehow it is it's very strange to uh, explain anyway i've been talking way too much so we're gonna get to that music and then we'll be back on the other end I wanna get you on a spaceship to Mars And hug you and I squeeze you as they fly through the stars But when I think of those light years we can spend alone Zooming through the atmosphere from zone to zone Well, I tell you, honey, life can be sunny Cause you're mine, all mine Yeah, I wanna get you on a spaceship to Mars I'll hug you and I squeeze you as we fly through the stars Oh, when we land on that planet, tell you what I'll do I'm gonna build a dream house that's meant for two Will I tell you, baby, I don't mean maybe that you're mine, all mine Yeah, but when the thought comes, it makes me wanna scream To change a reading to a horrible dream Well, suppose the place is inhabited, but then How could I keep away those Martian men? Yeah, I'll get you on a spaceship to Mars I'll hug you and I squeeze you as we fly through the stars But when I think of those screaming Martian guys Looking at you, honey, with those funny eyes Well, I love you so we better not go in your mind Then the thought comes 
that makes me want to scream To change our Eden to a horrible dream Well, suppose the place is inhabited But then, how could I keep away those Martian men? Oh, no, I want to get you on a spaceship to Mars And hug you when I squeeze you as we fly through the stars When I think of those screaming, dreaming Martian guys Look at that, you honey, with those Martian eyes Well, I love you so, you better not go And you'll be mine all night I reckon this is one of the best programs on television. Oh, it's all right. What do you mean, all right? This is great. We're still more like this. But out of somewhere pops delicious young Miss Cloda Rogers. She's got it rather bad for a certain young man. So let's meet Cloda Rogers and Sweet Boy. There's a boy I love so dear. Why?
other word I was thinking of to describe Elizabeth Lutian's music is discordant. Discordant. Very good word. Anyway, she's excellent, and she's going to pop up again and again. She was one of the main composers for Amicus, at least in the early years. So we're going to hear some more of her, even on this episode. So there we go. Moving on, a really interesting turn for Amicus. This is still kind of oddball, and it sort of really stands out. And I don't get why this was done necessarily, but it was done. Amicus made two Doctor Who movies, and we're going to look at some music from one of those before we get to our break for the first half of the show. We're going to look at Daleks and Thals and the eccentric Doctor Who from Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965. The score was done by Malcolm Lockyer. Uh, He was a British film composer and conductor. He also worked on some notable horror films, including Island of Terror from 1966, which I think is kind of underrated, and The Vengeance of Fu Manchu from 1967. This is so weird. It's uh, Peter Cushing, who would often work in, in Amicus films as well, him and Christopher Lee. This is why I say I don't know how much of a rivalry there really was between Amicus and, and Hammer, because they shared plenty of stars between the two studios, and that would be kind of almost unheard of going on in the future, right? Uh, you'd, you'd have to you'd, you'd have to move heaven and earth, like you know, to get Robert Downey Jr. these days to like show up in a Justice League film or something like that. You know, it'd, it'd be kind of like on that level. At least it feels like it would be. But yeah, he's playing Doctor Who here, and this is uh, based on the Doctor Who television serial, of course. Uh, but namely the the Daleks. Uh, the, this first one is, and. It's just weird, because Doctor Who's origin has changed. He's no longer a Time Lord. He's a just an eccentric inventor who invents a time machine. And then, of course, he has his plucky... Uh, uh, what What's a Niece? Granddaughter? I can't remember the relationship. Um, and, you know, some sort of friends. And they have to deal with the Daleks. And it's kind of faithful to the serial. It's definitely a little bit bigger and a bit more colorful and definitely campier and seemingly intentionally a bit more campy. And it's just weird. It's weird to see, especially if you're a big fan of like early Doctor Who. A lot of Doctor Who fans don't like these movies at all. And I can see why. But they're kind of fun and goofy at the same time. So... Yeah, we're going to look at Daleks and Thals and the eccentric Doctor Who. That's going to end the first half of the show. And we'll play some podcast promos. And then we're going to come back with the second half of the show.
uh, there's the show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two. I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of compañeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser-known cult-type movie, and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. I might have a listen one day. Oh. Wow. Wow. Hello there. My name is Matt, and I'm a humble court bailiff in a courtroom designed to bring musical justice to all. Each week, we have a podcast with a judge and a jury, and we determine whether a song is guilty, not guilty, or not guilty by reasons of insanity. You know, something like, uh... Or maybe it's a cover of Tom Petty. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Just look for songs on trial, please. Okay, I love you. Make good choices. This is Michael Kay, award-winning film actor you may know from such cinematic achievements as A Muppet's Christmas Carol and Jaws for The Revenge, where I played a character named after a fucking sandwich. I approve of the following promotional message. Do you like movies? Well, of course you do, you silly twit. You're listening to a movie podcast right now. Do you like podcasts about movies? I mean, if you're listening to this, your life is empty and without direction. So of course you do. Why not continue the spiral downwards with They must be destroyed on sight! Yet another semi-regular podcast about film that will occupy some of that empty space in your soul. We cover every genre, but focus on a lot of obscure and cult films with a leaning towards exploitation. If you want a podcast that's going to talk about a silent film from the 1920s one week and a sleazy biker film from the 1960s the next and then back to something like singing in the rain the next episode they must be destroyed on sight maybe for you so tune in and join regular hosts lee russell daniel hopper paul romani and lee hardy as well as the odd guest hosts at tmbdos.podbean.com thank you drive through Right, second half of the show, we are going to try to burn through these last couple tracks here for this episode. Definitely a lot more stuff coming, but yeah, we have, what, three more tracks here, I guess, basically? Uh, we have a suite, another suite. This is for The Skull from 1965. This is uh, Elizabeth Lutian's again. This is pretty great stuff. This is probably one of her first really great horror scores. I think, you know, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors is pretty good, but The Skull is great. It's got Peter Cushing. It's got Christopher Lee. It's got a cool premise about having the, the skull of the Marquis de Sade and how it is somehow sentient and it has these goofy but kind of endearing 
point of view pictures from kind of like just inside the skull. They have the skull kind of like overlaid on the camera. And so you're kind of seeing through the skull as the skull is like observing them and uh, doing all kinds of bad, evil badness. But it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite Amicus films. It's one of the times when they decided, you know, we, we can we can go up against Hammer. We, we can do a, just like a straight ahead horror movie and not an anthology, you know, kind of thing. It's probably their most successful as far as those go. It's great. And this is going to be a pretty long suite, too, by the way. This is like a ton of the music just kind of like compiled into a suite. Uh, I think there's like, I don't know how many minutes this goes. It goes for a while. Uh, this is kind of like set this up as background music while you're doing something kind of thing. Might run into that again in part two and part three of this when I throw some more sweets at you. Then we're going to move on to Daleks and Robomen from Dalek Invasion Earth, or Daleks Invasion Earth, excuse me, 2150 AD uh, from 1966. This is Bill McGuffey doing the score this time. Previous Doctor Who film had a kind of a jazzy score, and it's the same here. Very jazzy, very swingy, jazzy kind of score. Uh, again, based on a Doctor Who television serial, this time the Dalek Invasion of Earth from 1964. And uh, Bill McGuffey was a British pianist, and he also went on to do some other uh, film composing and conducting and stuff like that. Two notable ho horror films he did, Corruption from 1968, and The Ace Fix. Or The Ace Fix? It's the one about the death spirit or whatever the the asphyx i think that's correct from 1973 then we're going to move on to a suite again this is for the psychopath from 1966 this is elizabeth Lutyens yet again this one was written by robert block and it's sort of a uh, interesting proto slasher and even more so kind of almost a proto gialli and just how kind of weird it is um, very much has a lot in common with more Italian uh, giallo films. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those Italian directors saw this and was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe we'll do some of that. Uh, it's it's kind of good. It's underrated. It should be seen by more people. Um, then we're going to end off with the main and end titles from The Deadly Bees from 1966. It was done by Wilfred Josephs, uh, who did a lot of British TV, did a couple films like Cry of the Banshee from 1970 and The Uncanny from 77, but he mostly did TV. Um, interesting background on this one, though. Uh, this is actually, it's directed by Freddie Fr Francis yet again. This is based on H.F. Hurd's 1941 novel, A Taste of Honey, which was the first of three novels that Hurd had written about a Mr. Mycroft, quote-unquote, who's strongly implied to be an elderly, retired Sherlock Holmes who's uh, living in Sussex Downs. And um, they had the original screenplay here done by Robert Block yet again, but it was highly rewritten by Anthony Marriott. And I guess Robert Block, Robert Block kind of disowned this. He was kind of, eh, fuck this shit. Uh, this, this sucks. Because um, he wanted to be much more true to the actual source material. And I think at one point they had, I think Christopher Lee lined up to like, 
basically play the character, if I'm not mistaken. I, I seem to recall reading that somewhere. And they were going to go, you know, straight ahead, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is actually Sherlock Holmes. But they didn't end up doing it. Uh, they decided to change it quite a bit. And, um, but it's about someone basically killing people with a strain of killer bees that they control. It's fucking weird. Um, it, it, it feels like the, the Sherlock Holmes thing would be a lot cooler. Uh, but anyway... I hope you guys enjoyed this first foray into the Amicus stuff. Uh, like I said, two more parts coming down the road. Lots more music, lots more films to talk about. So until next month, cheers, guys, and thanks for listening.
tracks. For further episodes, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. 